0: us gassing on about it Give in the word i don't think it means what you think it means by the way you know when you're when you're telling these little stories you have a big mouth here's a good idea what are you even talking about have a point why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers it makes it so much more interesting for the listener so interesting interesting um side note this is our 30th episode up here um, in studio b
1: huh interesting
0: yeah, no, know. It's only, only so interesting. Ooh, hey. I'm gonna turn that up. Oh yeah, I can hear myself. I um yeah. Are you gonna clip the uh, headphone amp again? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Not today. We've made that mistake already. I I um I'll be watching for it. <laughs> Which I was referring to um, is last week after the show, I started the export and couldn't figure out why everything was just really, really distorted. And I assumed that, assumed that we had recorded too loud. Anyway, uh, after about twenty minutes, I finally figured out. Ah, fuck! I just had the headphone amped up too loud. That's why everything sounded awful, <laughs> awful. Anyway, um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, gear has been, um, I don't know if this is where we wanted to start. I can't remember where we wanted to start. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know. You're the one who said he had ideas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still uh, kind of waking up here.
0: Fair enough. So, um, gear had this, uh, uh, not had this, they have, they have things going on all the time, but they've started sending out, um, like a top 10, you might be interested, in um, conversations, right? I don't know how they figure it out. I don't know where they get that info, but um, I, I've been getting for a couple months now, I've been getting a, a Monday morning, excuse me, a Monday morning email uh, saying, here's some conversations you missed in the last week. And it's it seems Is like it just like forum posts and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's just 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 forum stuff. But they're, they're not sending the posts; they're sending links to the conversation, rather than rather than the posts, right? Okay. Um, and one of the ones that I was interested in, actually, two. Uh, there were two that I was interested in yesterday that I I took some time to comment on. Um, but the one that I wanted to I wanted to start off today's show with because we haven't really had this conversation, and we might have had this exact conversation before, but. Um, we haven't really had this conversation um, in a while was specifically the converse the, the, the gear slots was what is your f- uh, if you had a three space five hundred series rack to fill up with a vocal chain, what would it be? Hmm. And I didn't specifically wanted to go down that road, although it was an interesting. It was inter- an interesting set of limitations, and I and I had to think about I had to think about that um, quite a bit. Yeah,
1: it's interesting because I, I don't really typically look at the five hundred series stuff all that much.
0: Yeah, so I thought instead, you and I could spend at least a few minutes, um, just talking about similar restrictions, and, and not necessarily into into you know, model numbers, like they were thrown out, they were th- thrown out some interesting stuff. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the compressors were slow optical, com- uh, slow optical compressors. Why is that such a hard word to say in this, this morning? Um, and that kind of took me back because I didn't, I didn't really expect, I expect so many people to be on the same, on the same wavelength. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> um as far as a a vocal chain goes if you had to if you had to fit something into 500 series rack what would kind of be your your general framework for that you know um like uh
1: rupert neve designs preamp probably
0: the the portico yeah the portico. Five yeah um what what style of what style of compressor would you use, or what style of EQ would you use,
1: or would uh, you use other? I'd probably processing? use a parametric EQ, maybe four band, something like a five fifty,
0: maybe API five fifty. Yeah, a or, uh, I guess that would be B if you're looking for a four band, right? Yeah,
1: either that or a uh, Poltec clone. Poltex
0: doesn't make 500 series. They do actually. Do they okay. They started releasing a 500 series. Um, they have uh, two versions of their basic. Is it one. white like the new Poltecs are? It's not. It's um. It's the old um. Kind of bluish gray. Okay. With black knobs. Uh, now, I kind of like
1: the white look though. Of, <laughs> of, like <laughs> it's. It's just interesting to see it like yeah. pop out. I, I don't know. It's interesting to see stuff that's not in like your grays or hmm. blacks yeah. typically because that's usually what people make their their product yeah. is a gray or a black
0: as it turns out Poltec had two two variants on their um on, on their com- uh compressor on their eq um and it was different frequency points that was the differentiation hmm. um I I can't remember the model. It was a Pultec A and a Pultec S. Okay. Something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would be between those two EQs anyway. Mm. And they would just be tone shaping EQs. Right. Um, What would you use for a compressor? Uh, Would
0: you you run a compressor?
1: Assuming you're putting this. I probably would if I had the option to run a compressor going in. I probably would. Let's Um, assume you do.
0: What what style would you. would you use uh that's a good question because like i don't know Hmm. myself i Hmm. i flip back and forth between slow compressors and fast compressors um like for for some stuff i really really dig the uh the um, 1176 style I, i have those
1: Typically 1176 is my go-to if I don't know what to put on something. Mm-hmm. Um, So I, I'd probably have an 1176 just because of how versatile that compressor is. Like, if it had to be just like a, this chain has to do all your vocals from now on type of thing. Sure. Um, Otherwise I'd probably have like a very moo
0: compressor of some kind really yeah right away on the vocals potentially yeah okay what uh what appeals to you about the very move just the color <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah.
1: um i i don't know that's what I, I generally like in hardware in general like i i don't look for transparency when it comes to hardware right i, I look for color and when a uh, company says oh we made our compressor transparent as possible i'd like i'm automatically like okay i don't want it yeah all right because i have digital compressors to do that right so uh, yeah I, i don't want transparency that's fair there's digital things that exist that do
0: that i have to be honest um i i don't notice a ton of color um, out of much of the things that I have that are supposed to have color.
1: Yeah. But I, I do like very abusive things with, uh, <laughs> with all of yeah, my fair. stuff, like <laughs> cranking the input and like, yeah. even sometimes when I have like the VU meter pinned all the way down, I'm going like, oh, it's got, it doesn't have enough going in. So I crank the preamp going into it. and. <laughs> so those poor needles. I yeah, well <laughs> I I think it's more the poor outputs and stuff of those things cuz like I it's probably pretty hard on those things. <laughs> but it sounds cool or can yeah. sound cool. It doesn't always work, but it is a thing I enjoy doing. It's right. just cranking things and right. seeing how it breaks up. Um and transparent things don't break up very well yeah they don't they don't tend to break up
0: nicely either yeah
1: yeah they sound gross whereas the colorful stuff like that has like harmonic distortion that it's bringing up and stuff like those things are cool right Uh, they usually sound great as you push the input or push the output a little bit Mm -hmm. so i i yeah when it comes to <laughs> hardware, like that's what I look for is something that's going to
0: give me color. Terry talks to uh, Terry Tran over at audio department talks about the same thing. He, he's, he doesn't care about clean things. He's looking for something that's got mojo and vibe and yep. and color. Yep. Um,
1: if, if I need something that's transparent, I'm going to stay in the box and just do it there.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I still, even with the, even with the clean stuff that I have, I still notice that the hardware units do me better anyway. You know, um, I for me so much about it is, um, turning an actual knob, right? But yeah, um,
1: I think I want to get a console one for that. Cause I, I do <clears throat> definitely enjoy the turning of knobs and mm-hmm. stuff. And I would like to get a, custom paint job for my mcu a custom paint job (laughs) why because i just don't like the the weird gray look to it that's fair what would you um what would you do i don't know uh probably a combination of like a a really dark almost black gray with like maybe some blue inlays or
0: something Uh, okay
1: that sounds like a lot of money probably would be that's why i'm not seriously looking for it yeah Yeah, that's fair yeah um and it would have to be painted in such a way that i can handle it like a lot and it's not going to rub away in like a year's time or something like that
0: so that's going to be add to the price too it's fair the last um the last year ish it's probably been probably been since May last year. Um, I've been as just kind of a default vocal chain, um, especially when I don't really know what's going on, where what, what to expect from a singer. Uh, I've been setting up um, the LA six ten, which I know doesn't have a five hundred series counterpart. But if I wasn't using the LA six ten, I'd be using the the Portico five eleven. Um, into the FMR, really nice compressor, the 500 series unit mm-hmm. into a de And I wouldn't even, I mean, the, 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 the Portico, the, the 511 has, um, has a high pass filter. So I do a little high pass filtering mm-hmm. as needed, but I wouldn't even, um, I wouldn't even EQ in that chain. Um, assuming we're still sticking to that, that three space, um, yeah. limitation in the 500 series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've been, I've been using that, that chain and I follow it up with some, with some EQ in the DAW, of course, but I've been using that chain probably for two thirds of the vocal recording that I've done in the last year. And it's been fantastic. Now, most of that has also been through the, um, the, uh, cathedral pipes, not so down. Right.
1: Um, but, uh, I wouldn't mind having one of those mics eventually. I'll mm. probably be like a five years from now purchase though. Yeah. I also <clears throat> wouldn't mind a Copperhead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I one of the um, one of the gear sluts, uh, um forums that was in that was in this email that I got yesterday um, was the Warm Audio Forty Seven mm-hmm. um, compared to the Copperhead. I didn't. I didn't look at it, but.
1: That's two different styles of two,
0: yeah, ish. Mike, ish.
1: Well, the WA forty seven is trying to be a U forty seven, right? Which was so all you about should mid-range. compare it more to an actual U forty seven or an AK forty yeah. seven because the AK forty seven has got a little bit of the U forty seven in it.
0: But the AK forty seven is the is the um, forty seven on steroids, yeah, because it's got the boosted or even the, the top um, and the boosted well, upper uh, mid
1: compared it to the other telefunken the um, ml I don't know the one that's got a weird long <laughs> model number the, I can never remember Elm 251 yes see that Because that one's like almost a direct u47
0: is it not no that's the, so, so so that one's the elm 24251. 251 is the we're going back to the to the 50s and the 60s right mm-hmm. It's the Telefunken version of the AKG C12.
1: Ah, so, everybody
0: clones the C12, <laughs> uh, but but I think I think they were, I think initially they might have been like whoever was making the Elam 251 mm-hmm. uh, and the C12, like it might have been AKG that that branded their C12 for Telefunken as the Elam 251. Okay, right, like that's. They have, they, they actually have the same lineage um, and they don't, they don't specifically sound the same today, but they both have the same characteristics. They're really deep, but unhyped low end, right? really gentle mid range and really airy spacey top end. Now the C12 apparently has, has the, has the more air top end to it uh, than the Elam 251, but, but that's the, yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, right. well then, how about a cathedral pipes versus a warm audio? Yeah, because a cathedral pipes, I know that that Notre Dame is U forty seven A forty
0: seven clone, and it, it's one of the few clones where he didn't try to improve on the design.
1: No, he, he was just more like, I yeah. want this mic. I'm going to build it for myself, and then people wanted.
0: No, I think he. I think he. It was. It was a custom order for a client. Well, no,
1: the story is, is he built it for himself and he went to a studio and he left that mic there huh. and then like people saw it, used it, and then proceeded to ask him if they could get him to build them one, like CeeLo Green. Fair enough. Like said, Hey, can yeah. you do this? But put like green LEDs in the thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I actually wish I got the first, the first series that he did. Um, when he stopped using the colors to so mine is all white. Yeah. <laughs> Are you still using the cloud lifter? Um, well, I don't have a cloud lift. Oh,
1: but the, but the, the one I one, one? Yep. used to have and sold yep. to you for, I don't remember what
0: half price, I think 25, $25. Yeah. Yeah. Something it's like probably that. worth more than that. Probably. But it wasn't working when you got it or when you gave it to me, right? I didn't, I, I remember, I, I, I remember opening remember. it up and, and trying to trying to figure out what was wrong with it you fixed it though right right? i think so i mean it it works yeah
1: okay so you're still using it
0: yeah it doesn't have it doesn't have a lot of headroom and that's the um, that's the issue that we run into it with into with it it was um, a part of his like
1: first builds of cloud lifters
0: yeah yeah it it does sound really nice like it sounds it sounds a little bit a little bit thicker in the mid-range excuse me um than Man, I'm so burpy this morning. I apologize. It sounds it sounds a little thicker in the mid range than the Marty Audio. It's a the same type of guy, but out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of a couple of his um, barrel Boosters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they both sound really they, they both sound subtly different, but they have more headroom than the Cathedral Pipes one. Um, the Cathedral Pipes. You can't put it in front of really loud sources because it just distorts. Uh, even a, even a loud singer on an SM7, um, and it'll it'll distort. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's a flaw or not. But but on on soft sources, like if we put if we put it on a ribbon mic in front of a in front of a cello, or if we put it on a on a dynamic in front of an acoustic guitar, then no worries at all. It sounds great. But uh, uh, or even even a ribbon mic on a soft singer sounds fantastic but but uh in front of a in front of a uh, rock singer or over a drum kit just can't handle the SPL can't okay. handle the voltage <laughs> fair enough yeah
1: yeah i'm pretty sure like that, that particular one that i have was like more or less a prototype because they don't look like that anymore
0: yeah but they did for they did for a long time
1: yeah yeah but I, I specifically know that that was like some of the first that he ever made. Nice. Cool. Like probably within the first hundred or something like that.
0: Yeah. I don't mind it not having a lot of headroom. Um, I'm completely okay with that. Okay. Uh, cause I, when you, when you get into the loud stuff, um, it's more about, it's more about being able to handle the, the volume rather than, mm-hmm. rather than just the tone. Right. Yeah. And so I don't mind, I don't mind that, uh, I don't mind that it's not, it's not super on the ball with the tone. Okay. I just had, I just had a, um, I just had an interesting thought, um, about I had, so I had a, just a really pleasant older gentleman in here yesterday, um, who had uh, moved to, he'd moved to Canada in 1969 and been here forever. Um, him and his wife are both are both really musical. His wife apparently is a, is a trained opera singer. Um, and did that kind of level of performance for quite a while. Anyway, uh, he came to me looking for, um, uh, looking for, uh, vocal recording. Okay, and no idea what to expect. I was explaining to you earlier the uh, this was the guy I set up the um, the uh, the eighty seven oh. into the into the very Mu, and, yeah. it, and it was just his volume was just a little low for the noise floor of the eighty seven. Anyway, um, he did something that I'm pretty sure he's going to regret, and I couldn't talk him out of. Um, uh, and, and I I expect to hear from him or possibly just never hear from him, which would be even worse. Um, we did 12 and this isn't even the thing that I couldn't talk about. We recorded, um, 12 songs, karaoke, karaoke style, uh, and mixed them quotation marks. Very big. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in two hours three hours actually we we pushed it to three hours okay um but one of the the thing that he the thing that he asked for that i couldn't talk him out of was a 14 and a half decibel boost he didn't ask for that specific number but that's where it made it made him happy 14 decibel boost at about 100 hertz shelf with a nice gradual uh nice gradual roll off um so it's a wide, wide Q on this wide show, at 100 hertz? Yeah. That sounds like it would make any voice, like, incredibly boomy. It was hugely boomy. All I could think of is he's going to put this in his car and it's going to blow up speakers. Did you cut, like... Fifty hertz
1: with like a 48 or a stack of 48 decibel per octave (laughs) cuts like Uh, if i did a boost like that like uh, that's what i would do is just stack a bunch of high pass filters at the very like
0: subby (laughs) stuff i had i had one i had one on the um on the uh on the master bus eq um, trying to cut off all that really deep low end. He had came in. He'd come in with. Um, he'd come in with uh, these twelve tracks again, karaoke style, and they were all MP3s. And he he wasn't looking for quality. He was just doing this for. It was just for fun. Um, okay. But uh, all of his all of his instrumentals were instrumentals that were at least sixty years old. And so some of them didn't have didn't have anything above 6,000 Hertz, but they had, they had tons of tons of boom and low end. So I spent a lot of time cleaning that up. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, um, it was pretty ugly. It was pretty ugly. He was, he was a, a wonderful singer. Um, I, what did he say? I think he said he was singing in Hindu. Um, but, uh, but really quiet um, and didn't like didn't like the sound of his voice until we turned up the low end uh, to over 14 decibels. It was it was just That's insane a
1: huge boost yeah there has to be so much phase
0: going on with that boost too maybe. You can't hear it. You, you're not going to hear any phase issues with that much boom going on. I, I know. I just, <laughs> I just
1: know from experience, though, like that aggressive. I mean, I'm all for aggressive EQ because I do it all the time. Right. I, I'm I'm fine boosting something 10 dB if it sounds better that way. But sure. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um... Usually when I'm boosting something by that much, it's like the super super high end of things and i'm trying to get like Just that get sizzle
0: air or something yeah. yeah
1: yeah and there's like barely any in there so i have to like crank things up to to get it but like 100 hertz like i know, I know. there's it, lots and 100 hertz it was every super, voice it was super intense well sort of
0: uh i don't know some voices really naturally end at like 200 yeah. And that's where that's where, where his I, that's where his low end really ended was 200. 200? Yeah. Um but it was it, it was just it was just intense. And it made so <laughs> it was a I I already had I already had a cut at about 450. Um and then he wanted this boost in the low end um which made everything really boomy. Mm-hmm. And so I I added a little top shelf, maybe two or three decibels just to bring some, some sense of clarity back. Yeah. You know, at probably around 5k with another really long, uh, long slope. But then he started asking for more mid range and I'm like, well, of course you want more mid range. It's because you have so much low end. <laughs> well, then that's when you <laughs> cut the low end that you added. Yeah. yeah. And it, but I ended up adding, I ended up adding in something around 800 Um, and he just, he just got really excited, you know, and of course I know it's a vanity project. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to try not to just absolutely disagree with him. Right. Um, but it made him happy. So that's what we did. And I, and like I said, I really hope he comes back and he says, you're right. That was too much. Let's find a nice balance between what is good and what I want. Or what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. um, So you mentioned, you mentioned turning up the high end for sizzle. Uh, I was reviewing, um, I was reviewing the uh, recordings from that metal band last week. Okay. And I noticed something that I kind of, I kind of noticed uh, when we were tracking, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a huge deal. In the drum recording that we did, the setup was, um, he had an old, he had an old nineties Gretsch kit. Um, and he had, oh, excuse me. He had Zildjian dark crash cymbals. Do you know the ones I'm talking about? Yep. They're super, super dark, um, in their, in their tone. And, uh, and I found myself using the, um, uh, the KSM 32s, which are themselves a pretty dark ish mic. Um, i had them as overheads um i found myself boosting quite a bit at right around 20k you know just a nice again a nice gentle slope um but i I found myself boosting like like 12 decibels way up there to 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 kind of bring out the kit and bring out the these crashes to make them have a little little just a little sparkle Mm mm-hmm and on one song we used these sixteen inch hi-hats, and I don't remember what they were, um, but they were really pongy, pong, 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 pong kind of kind of sound. And mm. that really worked for the first song, but it didn't work at all for the other two. So we um we decided to change the hi-hats, and we, we tried he had two sets and I had two sets, and we found one of the hi-hat sets that I that I um that I had uh ended up working for those two songs. Um, but then as I'm listening to this back, I still had that, that like 12 decibel boost at 20 K, which brought out all of this incredible and possibly annoying sizzle on the hi hats. Right. And we definitely, we definitely had one, one set of hats that, um, when we tried them and listened to him playing, uh, they were, there was too much sizzle. Um, and these ones were, these ones were a nice balance, but it, it created such a, such a, a miraculous, um, separation between the crashes and the hi-hat. And it lets the hi-hat just, it let the hi-hat just sit so distinctly amongst all the rest of the hi- hardware. It was something I've never, I've never had before. Huh. Yeah, it was it was super um and that's the sound they're going for? Or? Well, they they're kind of the Andy Wallace. They they kind of live in the Andy Wallace field. like does that sound like a drum? That sounds like a drum. Okay, let's move on.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like me yesterday when I was tuning a drum. <laughs> or I was tuning two toms and okay. it's just like boom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I I tune it or I then do another one, hit it boom. And it's just like, okay, that sounds like a Tom. So then I would go through all three Toms and just make sure that it was like,
0: do, do, do,
1: <laughs> instead of a do, do, do. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I got that, it was just like, okay, it sounds like <laughs> drums. Yeah. <laughs> it was a garbage kit anyway. It was mm. like a cheap $500 shells.
0: It all comes down to the player.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. I know it comes down to the player, but this was just there was a rental kit that the person who previously had it, like decided to use Hulk freaking hands and smash the Toms. And so there was like ripples in the, yeah. the skin itself. So it's just like, Oh, great. I have to replace that or else I'm going to get complaints. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: I've seen, I've seen, um, some drum tuning tutorials online that, uh, I need to watch more. Um, I don't know if
1: you're, watching um creative sound labs i think
0: is the youtube channel i've watched it
1: from time to time the guy with the dreadlocks
0: yeah and he kind of sounds really dorky yeah like his his voice doesn't bigger set guy
1: yeah okay yeah that's the guy that i got the the tube trick
0: oh okay uh he's been experimenting with that lately cool um Um, he did a he did a road um a recording sponsored by road uh, microphones, okay. W- uh, with their new ribbon mic, used it on everything. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm there I, I really too.
1: Watching his videos because mm. like he, he's pretty much no bullshit. He's just like, this is me just looking to see what yeah. this microphone is good at, with. Like he he got like some new AEAs and stuff, and he just threw it in front of stuff, and it's just like, oh, yeah,
0: okay. If I had if I had a little extra money kicking around every month. And maybe if I didn't spend so poorly, um, I would, uh, I'd love to do that kind of thing. Just like a, kind of like a weekly documentary kind of thing. Hey, this is something we did. Hey, this is something we did. Hey, here's a neat trick we did. Um,
1: I'd like to do something like that with, uh, my studio, like I want to, start up a youtube channel just to show like the building process and yeah just a, a thing where i can show it to potential clients and be yeah. like
0: yeah this is what we have done did you ever did you follow ian shepherd's um series about that he had a five video series of uh, how he turned his um oh yeah i was <laughs> into uh, his studio car park that's what they call a garage over there oh Okay, that's what he called it. He didn't call it a garage. Yeah, uh, although yeah, no, he, he, he I he did make, see that. He did make fun of Americans that call it a garage. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: yeah, I saw that. Uh, that was years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was two or three. Um, but uh, the 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 most straightforward drum tuning videos that I've ever seen that uh, I've just adopted because it it makes so much sense is the Rob Brown. Um one. He's a he's a drummer out of Toronto, um, session drummer out of Toronto, has a little home studio, um, does home recording just and sends tracks out. Mm-hmm. Um, does some touring, but super straightforward guy, easy to understand, um, has really simple drum tuning um uh tutorials. And it, it's again, it's it's just no bullshit. Like it's here's how you do it. it You're it's really simple. You do this, you turn like that and you're done. And you, you've retuned every drum, um, in less than four minutes. Yeah. Well, not sorry. Each drum in less than four minutes, yeah. maybe each drum in less than, a, in less than two minutes, but.
1: Well, yeah. uh, seeing that some of the drum guys at work, they can do it pretty quick. Oh, but There you go. Yeah. I, I guess,
0: I guess that makes more sense. If you have, if you have a guy right right there beside you that you that can say, yeah. Hey, Joey, here's how you tune a drum.
1: Well, like I, I, I know how to tune a drum. I just don't fully understand what I'm supposed to try and get out of each drum. So I should watch some videos that
0: like explain like,
1: yeah, when you're doing this, this is what you're listening for. That's all I need.
0: Um, the drummer I played with in the, in the prog band, um, he, he said that he was always trying to match the tone of the tuned drum to what the shell sounded like when you knock on it. He said that was, that was his goal to get the most.
1: So he's trying to get it to resonate with the shells to get the most tone out of the.
0: Yeah. He says that you'll get the most, the most natural tone out of, out of that drum, which of course doesn't work if you are, um, if you're trying to go for the, uh, you know, tuning your kit to a key. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but if you're just doing, if just trying to tune the drums irrespective of the you key. In a prog band, that would be hard, though. <laughs> have to change the, yeah. You would
1: have to be changing the tuning like all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, we didn't, um, we, but, didn't, uh, we mean, didn't worry too much about that's that. That's just stuff. one mindset. The, like the other mindset is like, you don't worry about matching to the keys because the overtones can be so complex that it doesn't actually have a key center to each drum i don't know man i've um i've I've heard toms and stuff that are tuned to be
0: in a a certain key for sure we had the kit downstairs a couple years ago tuned to a the key of c it was it was a it was a perfect triad and we had the tuner out to to make sure it was a perfect triad between the two toms and the floor tom um Uh, that's i can't sing um but you know what i mean right yeah I think it's more possible with the, the toms, like a snare is difficult. That's fair. That's fair. But the, to the best of our ears, the snare itself, um, seemed to be the same note as the floor tom, which is what also what we were going for. Yeah.
1: Well, you can tune the, like the, the top in key but like the bottom as soon as the sn- like the actual snares engaged, oh yeah then there's it adds a wash that's like got yeah. no key
0: center that's fair that's fair um yeah that's one of those things i i enjoy doing if i have the time yeah um you know like i've i've in the past i've i've taken up to 3 hours to retune a kit um and just you just have fun with it right But it's when, when bands come in and the drummer is expecting things to be set up in like, like live show speed and you have to talk them down (laughs) say, listen, we, you know, we talked about this. This is going to be a long setup. We're going to make things sound good before you start playing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to probably be buying a $2,000 kit or something like that. What do you have? What do you have in mind? Um, currently, I'm thinking of leaning towards a Yamaha's um, Tour Custom.
0: What's the difference between a Tour Custom and a Stage Custom? I'm
1: because not I've, sure. I've had the Stage Custom. I asked my drummer friends to recommend me things, and they recommended a few different okay. things. I'm pretty sure I have the the email. Right. Um, but like one of the recommendations was the the Tour custom mm. instead of the stage custom the stage custom is like a mid-range kit though okay. i think the tour custom is more higher end it's the kit. Upper. yeah that makes sense um although like the big thing i'm going to be concerned about is if the the lugs are actually good because like the the drum that i tuned yesterday like the the lugs on those things were garbage. Like you got them finger tight and they still weren't like, uh, the rim was loosely on the uh, shell. Yeah. Uh, because they were sticky. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, that was this, the Yamaha kit that I had in here. That's the way it was. Um, almost as though it was bad machining on the lugs and the and the nuts, lugs yeah. and the bolts.
1: Uh, yeah. Like the square bolts that you use to tighten the uh
0: yeah but i i I, um i just assumed it was it was the uh what's the part that's on the drum is that not that's not the lug yeah there's lots of parts on the drum the part that the screw goes into
1: that you screw it into well like the lugs would be like the the screw bit
0: right okay and And so what's the the socket i don't know sure sure (laughs) (laughs) let's call it that (laughs) because we need more socks um uh, you don't know yeah so
1: yeah the two kits that were so recommended to me was the tour custom kit so that's yamaha or a sonar aq1 which would have birch shells and matching snare right they're <laughs> apparently according to my drummer buddy they're shorter sounding and punchier than maple uh but the tour custom is a uh Maple shells with a steel snare.
0: Mm. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. I'll probably end up having like two kits at some point and then a collection of snares.
0: Are you going to want your snare back that I have? Eventually. Eventually.
1: <laughs> Why? You like the thing?
0: <laughs> no, we hardly ever use it. Uh, yeah. um We have the four snares here and the piccolo gets used the most. Yeah. I wouldn't
1: mind. Like I'm going to probably end up buying a piccolo Mm. at some point. I'm going to probably buy a black Panther and a black beauty as well. There's there's a, a particular model of black Panther that I like. It's like a 12 inch. Um, yeah, 12 inch wide and five and a half inch deep. And it, it, I don't know, it, it, it's impressive sounding. Mm.
0: It's got a lot of snap to it. I gotta be honest. I am, I don't know that, I don't know that I, um, would know models of
1: snares other than. The only reason I know models of snares is because. I work in a department where I have to know everything.
0: Mm. (laughs) That's fair. That's totally fair. That's helpful, I guess.
1: Yeah. uh, Working in rentals is great because like I've learned a lot about instruments that I don't play. Right. Like I can recommend a a drummer, a a thing, even though I don't (laughs) play the drums. The drums at all. Yeah.
0: Would you, um, after you buy yourself a drum kit, would you learn to play drums? Probably. I wouldn't mind learning how to play drums. In your downtime, you just sit there
1: and teach yourself? uh, Maybe. I might even take lessons to make Mm -hmm. sure I'm not gaining any bad habits. That's fair. Uh, There was a video I watched, I think it was yesterday, that was interesting about, like, technique to use in the studio. Okay. Um, Like, they're talking about hitting uh, cymbals and how most drummers, they use their index to hold the sticks. Hmm. But if you use your pinky to hold the sticks and it's more like your whole hand is around the, the stick and you yeah. use that, you actually, and like he showed examples of it cause he like showed how most drummers play with just the index finger. And then he wrapped his hand around it and like played it like that. And you actually get more tone out of the cymbals
0: nice. without like smashing the cymbals. That's it. I, I wonder if that has more to do with the, um, with the connection with your whole arm, right? It becomes more of an extension of your arm rather than just holding well, the stick.
1: How he described it is when you play with your index finger, uh, with the stick, it, the stick itself bounces. Oh yeah. So it has less energy going into the symbol. So you get a more tingy kind of light touch kind of sound. Makes sense. Uh, whereas if you use your pinky or, and have like your, more of your whole hand wrapped around the stick, you hit the cymbal, there's really no bounce. Yeah. So, like, y- you hit it, and there's more energy being transferred through the, the cymbal, so it vibrates more. Right. And You get more tone out of the cymbal as a result. Huh. He, he was even showing, like, techniques for, like, kick drums, and he was, like, showing, like... There's two different, or there's a couple ways of playing it. One's not a very good way of playing. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And he was like talking about like, uh, here's the first way where it's, you let the beater bounce back immediately. And that, that gives you a sound and you might want to go for that sound. Uh, The other way is to have the beater hit the the skin and not bounce back. Mm. But if you, don't do it right it can double slap the the kick drum and you don't get as much punch out of it
0: which happens all the time
1: yeah yeah He was talking about like my trick to get that is to set up the beater so that it's closer to the skin head thus your foot doesn't have to travel as much to get connection to the skin that makes sense
0: yeah cool um what are your thoughts on uh on um changing different parts of the drums to better fit a song. Now, I'm not talking about changing the whole kit. Certainly the kick and the toms for the most part would probably, would probably stay pretty as is unless something specific needs to change. Like you're like, there's a part where you're riding on the floor, Tom, and, and you need to tune it specifically. But, yeah. um, but I mean like the whole thought of changing cymbals for different songs uh, changing snare drums for different songs um
1: I'm open to that if it if it's needed and the band's okay with spending the time to get
0: that stuff right what are the, what are the what are things you're looking for in that in those cases
1: you know like um I need more clarification on the question uh, so. sure yeah
0: um I've had a number of cases in the studio where Based on the demo tracks or based on the scratch tracks, the the snare drum, for example, is conflicting a little bit with the vocal. Okay. Um and, and some drummers have been open to changing the snare drum, and some drummers have not been. Um I think uh,
1: that's a weird situation because it really depends on what the band has available for time in the studio if we have time to find a snare that works for the song, then I would say, let's do it. Let's swap out the snare or change the tuning of the snare. If we have to, to, to make it work. Right. However, I know in most situations, you're probably not going to have that. So in that, that case, I'd probably just load up a sample to get the, the snare to be what it needs to be. And then just have the original snare
0: be low in the mix. I gotcha. Not kind of cheating though. I don't give a shit. <laughs> How long, um, this is one of those things I've always wanted to ask you cause you, um, you've mentioned it a number of times over the years, uh, as something that is an easy process for you. How do you go about sample addition or sample, um, replacement as far as drums go? Um, like what's your, what's your process for that? How long does it take?
1: Not long. I have a template that has like, I have two tracks for kick and snare that are my sample tracks and they're already like pre sent and everything. I just turn it on. Like I unmute the channel and then just find a sample. Okay. Um. However, if I was to make that track from scratch, all it is is just making a track, sending the original drum, say the kick drum to that track. And then I have a uh, audio to MIDI conversion as my first thing in that track. And so then, and then I just have to set my threshold and release. Uh, Usually my release is pretty high. Because I find that if you don't have the release pretty high, it, if you can get um, second harmonics. I guess you could call it hmm. that. re-trigger the sample.
0: Oh yeah, like <laughs> so a, you get like
1: a yeah. a double hit uh, because like the initial transient hits and because the release wasn't high enough, right. uh, the I guess you call it a gate. Um, yeah. Let's go, and then it goes above the threshold again
0: what do you um what do you use for for software for that
1: just uh built-in reaper shit okay Uh, because there's another thing like so that's one component in reaper it's like uh trigger something or another and all it does is just convert to to midi and then after that i i go into what is called the sample matic in reaper uh, and then that just takes MIDI notes. Like it, it yeah, it, there's a lot of settings to it. You can decide how fast of attack you want for the sample and things like that. Right. Like a lot of controls. I rarely use any of them though. Um, but then I load up my sample library <laughs> <laughs> and I just find a sample that adds whatever sound I'm looking for. Okay be it like I, I'm looking for more crack. I just find a snare that has a shit ton of crack to it. Right. And then just add it.
0: And you're just, you're just blending it in. Yeah. Not, do you ever do like complete repl- complete replacements? Sure. Okay.
1: Like in the situation I was talking about where like, let's say it just doesn't work. Right. I'll, pro- I'll probably keep it in the song, especially if it was obvious that these were recorded live. Yeah. Uh, but then I'll have the samples kind of like in that situation, I'd probably load two samples just to get a full snare sound.
0: Oh, prompt. like a, a sample with lots of crack and a sample with lots of th- like thump uh, or thump
1: or, yeah. or like the punch or something. Right. Uh, and then just blend all three to, to work and send them to a parallel bus distort the hell out of that. And then, <laughs> right. And then bust all, all of those together and glue them.
0: Um, what about, what about symbols? Um, not nearly as easy to sample replace. I don't
1: sample replace symbols. If you don't record your symbols correctly the first time you're fucked.
0: (laughs) Uh, so (coughs) excuse me. What about, um, what about if the symbols don't work for the song?
1: Have you you ever had that
0: case? uh,
1: Not really? Yeah, I have. Although that was like when I was younger and thought that I could just will force it and uh, it didn't work. (laughs) It it was a valuable lesson on like things that just don't work.
0: You Um, mean trying to get the drummer to change the cymbals? No,
1: just like doing what I could to make it work. But it just... right didn't
0: but during the recording process you've never had to ch- have you never asked the drummer to change cymbals
1: uh, i've rarely recorded a drummer so that's fair and i wouldn't even know where, how to go about that even although in the future like i'm gonna have my own collection and if it's just like that cymbal's too bright it might be good for live use but you know let's try something darker right with more
0: overtones and sounds nice that's fair. Um, I've had a, n- a number of occasions where um, the symbols haven't been right, and I've recommended changing. Only, only had a couple guys push back. Most guys are pretty open to um, to changing their symbols. Yeah. Uh, but it's also only been a only been a handful of times that um, the symbols haven't been right for a song. Um, had one song where the singer songwriter wanted that wanted this song to sound brighter and poppier, but the drummer she was working with, um, was a jazz guy and loved really dark cymbals. And on most of the songs that worked, but on this particular one, it just, it just didn't, there was, was missing just a touch of pizzazz Mm -hmm. to them. And, and he fought us a lot. We, um, we, uh, we went back and forth with him, um, finally convinced him to, change them so we could hear the difference. And we had him record both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still liked his better. Uh, but she made the final call to, yeah, we're well, using these ones. Cause that sounds better for the song when it's her project. That's well, it was, it was supposed to be a band project, but she was really paying for everything. Okay. Well then she gets final say. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's kind of how I was looking at it too, but yeah. He was, he was really unhappy. Well, then <laughs> we, maybe he we should put money into the project. We, we might've, we might've come to the, uh, we might've come to the, um, uh, we might've pissed him off enough that the, the performance on that song was, was poppier and livelier because he was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, Luke, he was a funny guy. Um, yeah, Yeah. I, I, I I really enjoy recording drums. Um, I really enjoy setting up drums and making them sound great on the way in. Uh, Tom's is the only thing I kind of
1: struggle with. And that's only, I think that's partly because Tom's are not a thing that people play a lot. Mm. So you, yeah, like some songs, like you, you don't see any toms being used, so yeah. you don't need to worry about it. But like other times, like a lot of toms are being played and just, I can struggle sometimes to try and make every tom sound different.
0: What, um, what is, what is your struggle with them?
1: I, I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I'm not a drummer. So it's just like, I don't know how, how to shape a tom or something.
0: Mm. That's
1: fair. And if it doesn't, and like if it's badly recorded, like they already kind of meld into one kind of <laughs> just yeah. Tom sound. Yeah. So like it can be a struggle to try and make each Tom sound different, and then make it apparent in the mix that these are different toms.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> That's funny.
1: That's um, the the issue I I have most is like just poorly. Uh, recorded toms that kind of meld into each other.
0: Yeah, I I don't know that I've that I've struggled a lot with toms, except for floor toms that have been tuned too low. Floor toms is
1: yeah, that that could be a struggle sometimes too, especially yeah. If, like yeah, if they're too low and they sound like the kick drum, it's just like, what's the point?
0: Well, the the point is, a lot of these guys they want they want a really big deep boomy floor tom sure which is but great if you
1: also have a big boomy kick drum they sound the same yeah <laughs> so but, in the recording it just doesn't matter
0: but the the trouble with the tom as opposed to a kick drum is there's often quite a lot of dampening on the kick drum to make it less ringy and more punchy mm-hmm. right especially with these guys that want that big huge sounding floor tom yeah. and so so that the struggle that I have with, with that floor Tom is that the actual, the actual resonating tone is so low that it almost never, it never comes through the mix. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't mix with subs and a floor Tom shouldn't be ringing at 40 Hertz. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but I find, I find the, this, the salvation to those, if I can get the drummer to raise the pitch, that often helps, but usually they're pretty stuck on it. I find the thing that the thing that saves those floor toms is I generally cut out a little of that low excuse me, a little of that low end, and I boost somewhere around eight hundred to a thousand hertz. And I don't know why, because it doesn't it doesn't logically make sense in my brain, but that seems to bring out Well, that'd be where all the tone is. You would think, but
1: yeah. probably bring out some of the stick hit sound too yeah maybe not like the
0: smack of it but like the yeah
1: the body of the hit
0: we had um that, that metal band from a couple weeks ago uh he had one of those floor toms where he just it, he just wanted it really really deep um and i had uh one of the opus 88s on it the little little um tiny condensers mm-hmm Um, and it just, it was, it sounded awful through that thing. And we, I don't know, we must've spent an hour on the floor, Tom itself, tweaking and retuning and tuning up and tuning down and, and adding gels, taking gels away. Um, and it just, in the room, it sounded, it sounded fine because, you know, in the room you can hear all that, all that super low end that is useless in a mix, Yeah, but it's also playing it in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, uh, what we did was I, I, uh, I changed over to a D4, an Audix D4, and that brought out some, some low mids that, uh, that w- were really helpful. Uh and then of course I, I boosted in that, in that 1K, in that 1K-ish area and it brought out just enough. I didn't boost a lot, like, you know, two or three decibels, but it brought out just enough of the definition of the floor tom and captured just a little bit extra of the low end that the, the Opus 88 wasn't, wasn't grabbing, but, but it, it finally, it finally worked. I suspect though, that in the mix, I'm going to have to take a, um, to make a copy of it and pitch shift the copy up to bring that, uh bring some of that boom up into a usable range i've done i've done that a couple times with with floor times that uh, that i have trouble with rather than adding a sample um, that's very loud in my headphones (laughs) um but rather than adding a sample that to fill in those extra that extra tone that i'm missing anyway Yeah. yeah i guess that's it okay that's a good conversation about drums yeah We'll probably have that again, that same conversation. <laughs> See ya. Follow See ya. our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. Got
1: that mic in a comfortable
0: spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet, you go. Go oh, switch off.